NBA on NBC. What's up, everybody? This is Jim Mock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, a podcast where we break down former athletes' careers and decide whether or not they should get a call to the Hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former safety Rodney Harrison and whether or not he should get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a second to talk about Rodney Harrison's career is Chris Price from the Boston Globe. But before we bring Chris on, just a few quick facts about Rodney. Played 15 seasons in the NFL from 1994 to 2008, nine for San Diego, six for the New England Patriots. He had over 1,200 career tackles, 34 interceptions, 30.5 sacks, and 15 forced fumbles. He was a two-time All-Pro and a two-time Pro Bowler while he played in the NFL and was also a two-time Super Bowl champion, winning two with the Patriots. And he also made two other Super Bowls, one with San Diego and another with the Patriots, which he lost. So he was in the Super Bowl four different times. So Ronnie Harrison, I mean, growing up, one of the most ferocious hitters in, in the NFL. We're going to talk about that quite a bit. I don't know how many of his hits would uh, not be flagged in today's NFL, but he was one of the more violent players to play in NFL history at the safety position. Definitely made receivers kind of afraid to cross the middle um, and had a lot of fun talking to Chris uh, today uh, about about Rodney's career. So with that, let's bring on Chris. All right. So I'd like to welcome Chris Price to the pod today. Chris currently works at the Boston Globe, has covered the New England Patriots for over 20 years, is the author of several books on the Patriots, including The Blueprint, Drive for Five, and The Complete Illustrated History of the New England Patriots. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm very excited to talk about Rodney Harrison today and his Hall of Fame candidacy. And, you know, even though Rodney only played six years for the Patriots and nine for San Diego, which I think a lot of people forget, I feel like most people, if you ask about Rodney Harrison, they're going to go to those Patriot days because he was such a a vocal point of those Patriot defenses. He he really was. I I think that he had a really fascinating career, and I know we're going to get into this a little ways down the road, but but Rodney didn't arrive, and this is by his own admission, he didn't arrive in the NFL as a finished product yet. And, and so I think that it took time for him to build to a point where he was able to play consistently at a very high level for an extended period of time. He didn't come in as a, as a, as a highly touted draft pick. He didn't come in, you know, as a product of a big program, but he was able to find a niche and he was able to, like I said before, kind of build to a point where, where he became, in my estimation, a real Hall of Famer. He, he, he wasn't the type of guy who you know, had a lot of fanfare initially. Um, but I think that's one of the things that, that made his career so unique. And you know, the fact that he had the success that he had, the fact that he built to you know, the level that he did. Um, he, he's, a, he's a, like I said, he's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. And, and I think that ultimately to answer your question, I think he's more identifiable as a Patriot uh, because he did have a level of success later in his career in New England. Um, and that's not to discount what he did in San Diego, but I think that I, I really at this point, more people, you know, like you said, identify him as a Patriot as opposed to a Charger. Yeah, and he, he did. I mean, he was not highly touted at all. He went to Western Illinois, which uh, my – younger sister actually went to, and I've seen their football stadium. And uh, I think my high school stadium might've been a little bigger. So um, he definitely came kind of out of left field, but built up a reputation in San Diego as a great safety and then came to the Patriots. And that's really where he got more exposure as they were making those deep playoff runs. But 
Um, Chris, I, we got a lot to cover here, so I'm going to jump into our first segment. Um, it's what comes to mind. So this is pretty straightforward, Chris. When you think of Rodney Harrison, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Hard hitter. Just all out, all the time. He was a guy who uh, was, was very blunt in his dealings with us, and he was very, he, he was very physical and very, very blunt when it came to, 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 to being a player. Um, he, he really was unapologetic in his playing style, and, and again, also his dealing with the media, but it's unapologetic in his playing style. He, he knew the reputation that he developed as a quote-unquote dirty player but he kind of steered into that curve, you know, he, he did, he, he went after that for all it was worth. And so what he was able to do really, I, I think when you talk about his legacy, when you talk about the first things that come to mind, when you speak of Rodney Harrison, it's that he's a hard hitter, unapologetic, blunt, does not care what you think, doesn't care what the other team thinks. He, he really was, and I say this in the best possible sense of the term, you know, in the context of this conversation, he was a violent player. And you really don't get a lot of that anymore in the NFL, not so much because the players, but because of, you know, the, the game is what it is today. He was that kind of player. He was unapologetic. He went, you know, all out all the time. And I think those were the things that made him such a great fit for that New England defense in that period of his career. Yeah, if you um if you're listening to this today and you don't know much about Rodney Harris Harris, go to go to YouTube and um watch his highlights. It's pretty much nothing he does you feel like they would call a penalty almost every time in today's NFL. And I want to ask Chris, would Rodney Harrison really be as effective in today's NFL where those, you know, safeties from the past that I feel like were really intimidators? They people feared going across the middle, people dropped balls just hearing footsteps. Would Rodney Harrison be as effective in today's NFL? Would he survive? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I tend to think yes, if only because he was such a smart player. He, he was such a smart player, at least when I covered him. One of the things that, that stood out for me was um, you, you, you rarely have these experiences with players, at least in New England. You could put away the notebook and the recorder and, and say, look, help me out. Help me understand what I'm seeing here. And he wouldn't give away state secrets necessarily, but he would be able to break it down for you in a language that you can understand. I think to kind of piggyback off your, your, your question, I, I do think he would be able to survive in today's NFL because he was such a good player, because he was so cognizant of what was a penalty and what was not, even though he was a very violent player, like I said. Um, he would be able to figure out that line. And not saying he wouldn't go over it from time to time, but, but you, you look at guys... You know, you, you, you look at players, the first, the first series of defensive backs that come to mind are in Seattle. You know, those guys, the Legion of Boom, and they yep. were able to make it work. Granted, those teams took an awful lot of penalties, but those teams also, you know, were, were led in large part by their secondary. I think Rodney Harris is the same type of player. And I think Rodney Harris would be able to uh, – his game would be able to evolve and adjust and change a little bit enough where he could survive in the modern NFL as opposed to, you know, where it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, when, when the Legion of Boom was up and coming, I, Cam Chancellor really reminded me of, of a taller Rodney Harrison. And, exactly. exactly. And, um, and we're going to get into to, to comparisons down the road, but that's a of great course. one. I think yep. that there, there are definitely some comparisons there when you're talking about Chancellor Rodney. Yep. All right, so second mini segment here at the beginning, we call this That Memorable Moment. 
And what we try to do here, and I cover all sports, but when it comes to, to football, we're really looking at, you know, is there, like, what's this player's Hall of Fame moment? Was it a specific season they had that was an all-time season, a specific game, a playoff run? And, you know, I have something down where I feel like he really stands far and above, but I kind of want to, I want to get your thoughts on this first. Is there a standout performance by him um, that really kind of comes to your mind that that was a Hall of Famer right there? For me, it was the start and the finish to the 2003 season. This is a great question, by the way, for, but for when you're talking about Rodney, the start and the finish of the 2003 season, I have never seen, again, I covered the Patriots for about 20 years. I've you know, covered some other Boston sports. I've never seen a guy, a veteran, come into a situation as a new guy and be able to set the tone the way he did also at the same time while being deferential to the, the locker room infrastructure that was already in place. When he came on board in 2003, I think the way he was able to do that, you think back to that time, 2002, the Patriots were in kind of a weird spot. They, they won in 2001. 2002, they were a bit of a disappointment. They had they, they backslid a little bit. They didn't make the playoffs. Rodney Harrison comes in in 2003 and kind of starts to, I don't want to say rebuild that secondary, but his acquisition was a big part in getting that team and specifically that defense to where it wanted to be, where Belichick ultimately wanted him to be. His ability to come in and seamlessly become part of that defense, that really that world-class defense and included a Hall of Famer, you know, guys like Ty Law, uh, was really, really impressive. And, and then the end of the season, really for me, the quintessential Rodney moment, my favorite, my absolute favorite Rodney moment, one of my favorite images of those Patriots teams, that first Patriots dynasty, was at the end of the season, 2003, Super Bowl 38. He breaks his arm uh, in the Super Bowl, late in the Super Bowl, is on the sideline, you know, he, he's on the sidelines, he's there. And then the picture of him, with a confetti coming down around him at the end of the game and his arm in a sling and his fist in the air like that. That for me was absolutely emblematic of not just Harrison, but the toughness of that team and that defense specifically, what he was able to bring to the field. So really from start to finish the 2003 season for me, when you're talking about Rodney Harrison's hall of fame candidacy, the numbers might not necessarily be there when you're talking about sacks and turnovers and take, but but the intangibles that he displayed in becoming a leader, becoming such an important part of that team, I think were really on display. The last thing to that point was there after the AFC championship game, after they absolutely cleaned Indy's clock, there's a, there's a video of, and I think it's through NFL films um, of Harrison and Belichick embracing and Harrison you know, it says something along the lines of, man, I'm so happy to be here. And Belichick says, man, I'm happy we got you. And they share a moment. They, they look at each other after that. And it's a really, I don't want to say a sweet moment, but it's a really tender moment that Harrison, at that stage of his career, had been given up on by the Chargers. And you didn't know if that was going to be the end for him. You didn't know if he's going to end up in Oakland. You didn't know where, what he was going to do. But he mm -hmm. goes on to win a couple of Super Bowl rings in New England. And I think a large part of that was because Belichick saw something in him allowed him to match with that defense. So ultimately, to answer your question, the 2003 season for me, really, when you're talking about Rodney Harris as a Hall of Famer, that is example number one. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, first year on the team, he was voted as a captain, right, of the yeah, defense? Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, yeah. that's coming into a new team, especially one that had won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and becoming team captain immediately. Um, I, I think that says a lot about him. I, I actually had down Chris, and again, this is more, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That might have been his best season. But statistically, I actually looked toward and gravitated more to the next year's postseason, the 2004-2005 the postseason, the second Super Bowl run there. Um, well, you know, when I look at it, I don't remember him being so dominant. I, I mean, I remember that playoff run for the Patriots. And when I went back and looked at the stats, I was actually kind of shocked. Um, one, he didn't win the Super Bowl MVP when they played the Eagles and they won 24-21. 12 tackles, two interceptions, a sack. And then that second interception, you know, that was with 10 seconds remaining. I know the Eagles had to drive all the way down the field, but still it ended the game basically. And then you look at the rest of his, his three-game collection there. So over three games that postseason, again, they played the Colts, Steelers, and then Eagles in the Super Bowl. He had 33 tackles, four picks, a sack, a forced fumble, and a touchdown. He, he, I mean, he, he does everything. I think I want to get to that in the case four, but he really he could play against the run. He was great in coverage. I mean, he was a smart, intelligent leader of the defense he really didn't have too many holes and he really could, could do everything. He filled up the box score. And as a defensive player, that's not something you always see. And his, his tackling ability, and we'll get to this a little bit, really was superb for, for a safety. He really came up in the box quite a bit and could support the run. Yeah, really. really. And that's one of the things that, and it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of silly to say, but, but Belichick, when you talk about tackling, he always goes back to the fundamentals and says, look, this is what this game is all about, being able to get the guy on the ground. And, and, you know, to your point, it's a great one. Rodney Harrison was a form – Rodney Harrison was a form hitter. Rodney Harrison was a form tackler. He was able to do that. He was able to fill up the stat sheet. You know, when you talk about sacks and, you know, in, in interceptions and stuff like that. But he was also great fundamentally. And, and I think that rubbed off on a lot of his teammates as well. So, yeah, it, it's funny now that you mentioned it, the 2004 postseason, I remember the interception he had, the pick six he had in the 2004 AFC Championship game Yep. against a, a very young Ben Roethlisberger being able to take it all the way back. Um, yeah, the 2004 was was great statistically, and, and I think it, it's really interesting. You could really make a case, in the same way you could make a case for Ty Law being the MVP of Super Bowl 36, mm -hmm. you could make a case for Rodney being the MVP of Super Bowl 39 as well. Um but but yeah, I, I I'll still I'll you, you go with that one. I'll still I'll still go with Super Bowl thirty eight because I, again that, that year for me that was maybe a little bit more about intangibles. But yeah, the numbers we tend to kind of classify Rodney and I know I do the same thing and kind of classify him more for the intangibles and more for the physical play. But but the numbers I think are very very comparable. And again, we'll we'll probably get to this down the road. But the, you know the fact that he's a thirty thirty guy, you know thirty yeah. and thirty interceptions. I think it's very, very rare. And I think that deserves to be in the conversation when you talk about him as a potential Hall of Famer. Most definitely. And, and the stats definitely uh, back his candidacy up a, a lot more than I originally thought as well. I always thought, him again, hard hitter, guy who's getting all the tackles. I, until I looked back at it, I didn't know about the 30-30 club. But we're getting to that in just a second. So final mini segment here. We call this Ann Twins. Ah, no! Quarterbacks eating dirt! And for and twins, what we're really just trying to do here, Chris, is who's in the Hall of Fame today that, that reminds you most of Rodney Harrison or is most comparable in terms of career? 
I, that's a great question. And, and I had to really kind of go deep on this one looking at, because, you know, I mean, the hall of fame voters can be a little bit weird when it comes to defensive backs, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's easier, but you can look at interceptions, yep. you know, it's more of a high profile gig safeties. It's a little bit tougher. I, for me, and it doesn't work on every level, but there, there's some Steve Atwater there. It, so I got I, written down right here. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm going for here. And Atwater was more of a, more of a high-profile draftee. I think he was a first-round guy. Um, while Rodney Harrison, we talked about before, was, you know, was a later-round pick. Um, but they had the same approach, the same style. And, and I think, really, we talked before about Rodney taking the New England defense kind of from here to here and kind of allowing them to step up and be as dominant as they were. Um, I think Atwater did some of the same thing at, at the end of his career in Denver. And so, but I just think in terms of overall an unapologetic approach to the game, a physical approach to the game, smart, cerebral, you know, a, a guy who was a leader, but also deferential and understanding, you know, you needed a lot, you know, 10 other guys on the, you know, your side of the ball to be able to get the job done. I think for me, Atwater is the guy who most resembles Rodney Harrison, who's in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, and, and I could not agree more. And, you know, Atwater is someone who actually like, waited quite a bit to get in the Hall of Fame. You know, he retired back in 99. He just was part of this year's class that, unfortunately, is not going to get inducted until next year. Um, but it took him quite a bit. And, and I can't um, – you know, the whole safety thing, they, they definitely get disrespected a lot by the Hall of Fame outside of tight end. And, you know, kickers and punters, the least represented. There's only 13 safeties in the Hall of Fame today. And three of them were, like, just elected in the last couple of years. Um, so it definitely is underrepresented. I, I don't know why that is. I've been meaning to ask some of the voters what, why that actually is. I just haven't talked to any of them about safeties before. So that's actually a good note for me next time I have someone on that's actually I voting. I yes. Go for it. If I can jump in real quick, I got a theory. I, I think it's tough to be able to gain unless you be able, unless you watch them every single week, unless you are a beat reporter for that team. It's a little bit like a defensive lineman who doesn't pile up a lot of sacks. And True. we're kind of going through this now a little bit. We're having this conversation in New England with Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. Richard Seymour, but Richard Seymour played a bunch of positions. Belichick has said that, you know, they don't do what they do unless they have a guy like Richard Seymour. But the thing is, Richard Seymour doesn't have great sack numbers. He has good sack numbers, but doesn't have great sack numbers. And so you look at the numbers across the board and you see, okay, well, this guy was good, played a big role on three championship teams. So, but we're still, you know, the numbers really aren't, don't, don't jump off the page at you. I think safety's, you know, a, a lot of the same way because the numbers, people get caught up in the statistics when they don't have a chance to see them play every day and they don't really kind of grasp the full, you know, realm of, of what they what they were capable of as players. So I, I do, I, I, th- I think, it, I think he's one of those guys. I think Roddy's one of those guys. I think Seymour's one of those guys, but that's one of those positions that's tough to gauge unless you're able to see them play on a consistent basis over the full course of their career. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, Atwater's, Atwater getting into me, like I thought he was a Hall of Famer always. I just, um, I'm actually surprised he got in, to be honest. You know, he would, he was a two-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl winner. So exact same credentials as Rodney there. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler, which 
you know, we're getting to Rodney, why he only maybe was a two-time Pro Bowler, because that seems very low. But when you look at Atwater's stats, which, again, a lot of the voters usually go to, 24 interceptions, five sacks, that's nothing to write home about. I mean, Rodney surpasses him in both of those quite a bit, and yet Atwater got in. Um, but, yeah, Atwater was a leader of those Super Bowl defenses. He was, you know, I think the eight Pro Bowls probably helped this case a bit because people think he was one of the elite safeties during his time. Um, but I'm happy he got in. He also, him and Ronnie, both born in Illinois. That's a random tidbit. Um, but, yeah, no, Atwater's who I had down here. I think it's a perfect comp. I honestly think him getting in recently does bode well for Rodney's um, candidacy down the way because I think they're completely comparable in terms of how they played and what their careers look like. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think one of the things that, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this, is that I, I think Atwater also is is a, is a good guy and people like him. And I think I think Rodney is working. I don't want to say Rodney is working on that, but I think Rodney's TV work mm-hmm. has certainly helped his image with some people who may not necessarily have voted for him before because they considered him, and this was widely recognized, they, they considered him a dirty player. They considered him a guy who, you know, would, again, like we said before, he was unapologetic in his approach. You know, he, he was fined very heavily over the course of his career. Um, I also honestly think something that's going to work against him or it's going to, you know, while we're having this conversation is the, is this, is the suspension to start the 2007 season, you know, for, for performance enhancers or the violation of the league policy on performance enhancers. So I, I think all that has to come into the conversation, but I think one of the things that we're seeing is, and, and again, I'll, I'll go back and use another New England example, uh, you know, Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon put up great numbers over the course of his career. And they're guys who were in the league for fewer years, who had, or for more years who had less yardage, who are running, running back specifically, who are in the Hall of Fame. But Corey Dillon wasn't, you know, didn't treat didn't treat a lot of people very nicely. And so I think unfairly, I think he's, he, I don't think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I think Rodney Harrison has faced some of that because he was unapologetic, you know, at least early in his career, the way he played. And I think that may have ultimately, you know, may ultimately cost him votes when it comes to, to Hall of, his Hall of Fame candidacy. Could not agree more. For everyone listening, Richard Seymour and Corey Dillon are future episodes that are being scheduled. So um, both, I could not agree more about Richard Seymour. Let me put it that way. But um, let's go to our final segment on Rodney Harrison today, our, our topic. Um, we call this court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Um, and court is just case for, case against. So we'll start with his, his main case for the Hall of Fame, why he should be in the Hall of Fame. If, if I had to, you know, I threw this over to you, Chris. I was like, give me the two main bullet points. Why is Rodney Harrison a Hall of Famer? What, what would you tell me? Well, boy, that's tough to, to break it down into two. Um, you know, or what would your first, what would, your, what would you come to me with first, I guess? Well, I think first of all, you know, we, we kind of dismissed the numbers, but I think you could look at the numbers in the context of the 30-30 club. You know, yep. the 30 sacks and 30 interceptions. I, I don't know. I, I think Rodney Barber is in that as well. He I, just I misses it. He okay. just, he's got the pick sacks. He's, I think, uh, 1.5 behind. It's just him and Ray Lewis. He's, he's the only defensive back, though, that's in there. Yep. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's part of the conversation. When you're talking about Rodney, I think, you know, he was, he was clearly a, a key part of two Super Bowl championship teams. 
very important part, as we discussed, a part of two Super Bowl championship teams, peerless leader, um, a, a guy who you wanted in your locker room, a guy who you probably hated to play against, a, a guy who moved the needle on a number of levels. You know, he, he really was absolutely important to what they wanted to get done. And I'm speaking specifically to his New England years here. Absolutely important to what they wanted to get done on defense for a number of years. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back to that, that moment that he had with Belichick after the 2003 AFC Championship game. It was clear that Belichick had found a guy who allowed him to do things defensively that, that maybe he couldn't necessarily do before. And so the acquisition of, of Rodney for that team, I don't want to say he was the only reason, but he was able to kind of take the team from here to here. He was able to take the defense from here to here. And, and allow them to get back to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, win a couple more, win a couple of Super Bowls. So um, I think really for me initially, the 30-30 club, I think his you know, background as a winner, background as a competitor, background as, as one of the toughest guys you'll ever come across. I, I think those really all stand out for me when you're talking about Rodney as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And, and so when I was – doing the actual research here for Rodney. Cause I didn't know his stats by heart as much as I would like to say I do. Um, I was a little surprised how much the numbers actually do back up a hall of fame. Can see again, I always thought of him more of an Atwater type Atwater did not have the numbers by any means in terms of interceptions or anything else. Um, what Rodney kind of does. I mean, the 30, 30 club, it's him and Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is one of the greatest linebackers of all time. The fact that no one's ever done that besides those two. I mean, that speaks volumes. He also is 31st all-time in career tackles. I know that stat just started being tracked in 87, so there's a lot of people missing from that list. But since they've been tracking, it's the sixth most by a defensive back. I think that means something. It just, I mean, yeah. he had over 140 tackles one of those seasons with the Patriots. For any safety to get that, that's usually a middle linebacker's numbers. Uh, safety to be able to get that many tackles does mean a lot. And then your postseason success, we need to go back to this because he is one of the better postseason performers in history. And, you know, I was just – I was doing a podcast about – an episode about Horace Grant from the Bulls teams the other day and how many playoff appearances he has. And he always shows up big in playoff performances. How much does that matter? Well, you know, Rodney Harrison, he never really had – I mean, I'm sure you could tell me maybe he had a bad game here or there, but – you know, he played in 13 playoff games. He was 10-3 and three during his playoff career. Played in four Super Bowls because he had one with the Chargers as well. Won two of them. He's only nine players in playoff history have seven interceptions or more. He's one of them. And then he's the career leader in Super Bowl tackles with 34. Tied for fourth all-time in Super Bowl interceptions with two. And then if you look at all of his Super Bowl performances, I'm not going to count the Chargers. He wasn't a starter then. I think he had like a tackle, but in 2004 against Carolina in the win, nine tackles, a sack 2005, that was the 12 tackle two interception sack game. And then 2007, he had 12 tackles, but unfortunately when they lost to the giants that year, I think a lot of them are going to remember from the David Tyree catch. And he, he's part of that picture for history. And unfortunately that's where his name gets brought up in a, in a bad light, which is not fair to him. I mean, that's a hell of a catch. Just, just by the way, he's still salty about that. I, I really? Him, yeah, I asked him a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl, um, thinking that it was just going to be like a light, con not a not a funny conversation, not a light <laughs> conversation, but he's still still a little salty about that and about that play. Yeah, I mean, 
he couldn't really cover that any better. I, I don't know what people would want from him, but it is a part of history. He is that, that reflects poorly on, on the Patriots defense, but that was one of the best catches in Super Bowl history. So, Chris, we might straddle the line here between case four, case against here, but I, I got to ask you, so those defenses for the Patriots, right? Um, pe- I think people are going to forget this a little bit that weren't around when the Patriots were winning these titles. They're going to see Tom Brady's name as the quarterback, mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, well, they won because of Tom Brady. And for those of us that were watching it or there, um, we know that wasn't the case. They had a, a great defense during that time. Um, on those defensives that Rodney Harrison was the captain for, you know, Ty Law is the only Hall of Famer so far from that defense. Where does Rodney Harrison stack up against the 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 Ty Laws, the Willie McGinnis, the the Mike Variables, the, the Richard Seymours, the Teddy Bruskies? I mean, there are so many big names on that defense. It's hard to rank them, I understand, but but where do you see him fitting in like the pantheon of the best Patriot defenders from those great defenses? I think he's probably, in my mind, number three or four. Okay. Because he, you gotta, you gotta put Ty Law there just because he was so good for such an extended period of time, and he was, he was one of the best cornerbacks. And I'm a little surprised it took him as long as he did, but I, I'm a little surprised he was one of the best cornerbacks of of his era, one of the most dominant cornerbacks of his era. He pioneered what I referred to, or what he told me once, as cat coverage. You know, you got that cat, I got that cat. So it's, he, he was, Rodney, or Ty get, ties up here. And then Harrison, or and, and then, I'm sorry, and then Seymour and maybe McGinnis. I, I go back and forth on McGinnis because okay. I think McGinnis postseason numbers are enough to warrant a Hall of Fame conversation. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. going to be enough to get him over the top, but I think at least he deserves to be part of the conversation. So you put Seymour and McGinnis there. And then Rodney third, the only reason I would have Rodney third is because unlike Seymour and, 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 um, and McGinnis, they, they played the bulk of their careers in New England. Um, and I think that counts for a little something here. But I think at the very worst, he's fourth on that defense behind, again, behind Ty Law, Seymour, and McGinnis. Um, it's just the, the, that defense, and for me, you look at the 0-3-0-4 team, the 0-3 defense was just absolutely smothering. Just the best single season on, on that side of the ball. I know the Patriots have had phenomenal offenses over the course of the last 20 or so years, but the, the Patriots defensively on that side of the ball just were just lights out, man. It was just, they were so, so good. Uh, you know, yeah, you, 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 I'll run, you know, Run down the whole list, you know, Ty Law, Rodney Harrison, Richard Seymour, Mike Vrabel, Teddy Bruschi. Uh, for me, in 03, one of the guys, one of the other guys who helped kind of was a real game changer for them was Ted Washington. Um, oh, yeah. They, they had a single season at Ted Washington. They couldn't stop the run to save their lives in two, two lives, collective lives in 2002. Um, they tried a bunch of guys. Right before the start of the 2003 season, they got Ted Washington in there, and I don't want to say no one ran on them ever again, but <laughs> You know, it was, it was pretty close to it. Um, so he was there. It was just just top to bottom. You had Roosevelt Colvin, you know, come in and get hurt really early in 03, I think it was, and then play in 04 and become a, an absolute vital part of their, their success. So 
you know, across the, the, the Tyrone Poole. Tyrone Poole is a, is a really good, you know, complimentary cornerback, you know, a, a third cornerback, a second, third cornerback on this team. They had a couple guys, young guys, Eugene Wilson, Asante Samuel, um, who, Asante Samuel, who for my money has the, one of the most entertaining Twitter feeds out of just about anything <laughs> out there because he's always pushing for the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, those defenses were so good. But for me, really, the 3 defense, particularly down the stretch and into the playoffs, was just absolutely phenomenal. And Rodney was so important to that group, again, from a, from a numbers perspective, but also from an intangibles perspective. But, but yeah, th- those, those teams, those teams, again, like you said, were, you know, are remembered because of Brady. He's the, he's the guy who comes to mind first and foremost, obviously, but, but they could just take you apart on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so we're going to stick with this kind of Patriots team thing for a bit. We're going to cross the aisle, kind of some things against Harrison's candidacy. Um, and, and you've mentioned a couple throughout there, so we're going to hit on those in a, in a second. But I want to stick with this Patriots team thing. So Harrison has actually come out and said that the Hall of Fame has a bias toward Patriots players. And, and I kind of thought about it. I might have a little point here. I mean, you know, you think of, of course, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They're larger than life. They're going to overshadow everyone. And then you think of it's almost like a, a team victory. Every, all the pieces work together so well, especially on the defensive side that you win. But the fact that from that dynasty there that only, you know, Tom Brady, of course, will be the – they're putting him in the Hall of Fame probably before he retires at this rate, if he ever does. But Bill Check's obviously a Hall of Famer. And then Ty Law was the first one to get in. Do, do you feel, because it was like this collective team with so many names on it, do you feel like there's kind of a Hall of Fame bias maybe to the Patriots where you, it's, oh, it's Belichick's defense. It, it, it was a team effort. Do you think that will hurt some of their candidacies, including Harrison? I do. I, I think that will hurt him a little bit. But, but also at the same time, you're, you're still going to get guys off of those teams that are going to make the Hall. You're going to get Adam Vinatieri, who should who – sh- I don't think that there's any question that, that, that he goes yeah. in. Um, and, and then later on, I actually went back and did something on this a, a little while ago. Like on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Gronkowski's going to get in. And I know that we're kind of jumping ahead, but, you know, Gronkowski's going to get in. You can make a real good case for Wes Welker. Um, you also could make, you know, in the, the, the picture still being painted, for lack of a better term, but, you know, you'll, you'll probably be able to make a good case for Julian Edelman. Um, so, so guys are going to get in. But I think specific to your point, the defensive side of the ball, there are a few guys there, really for me, McGinnis and Harrison are the two that jump out as guys whose candidacies could be, I don't want to say harmed, but minimized a little bit because people will say, well, it was a Belichick defense. Well, he was able to kind of put him in position to succeed. Uh, Harrison deserves to be in, as we've discussed before. The guy who's fascinating for me, another guy on that defense who's fascinating for me is McGinnis because McGinnis had this great long career in New England and he had a couple of years where maybe he wasn't healthy, maybe he wasn't, you know, completely, you know, engaged for whatever reason, the Pete Carroll years, and his sack numbers were down a little bit because at least initially you look at the Hall of Fame prerequisites or pass rushers, and it, the cutoff is about 100 sacks or so. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Willie is in the neighborhood of the low 80s. And you say, well, you know, if he had another good year or two, a double-digit sack year, could put him over the top. Yeah, I, I think the thing that at least makes him deserve to be part of the conversation 
is his postseason numbers. Most postseason sacks over the course of anyone over the course of of NFL history. Um, again, a, a, a guy who was on three Super Bowl teams. Uh, I don't believe he was ever an All Pro, but he made multiple Pro Bowls. Um, he at least deserves to be more of a part of the conversation than he is at this point. You know, as we're sitting here talking about the Hall of Fame, but but yeah, I do think there is a little something to the idea. I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's the only reason, but I think that that that's a little part of the conversation when you talk about some of the defensive guys off of those Patriots teams of say '01 to '04 why they're not necessarily in. I think some voters might believe that they were simply a product of a coach's system as opposed to being very good players. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Now, um, two more things I wanted to get here for kind of what's against them maybe, and we haven't talked too much about this. I guess, I guess we did mention, so only 13 safeties in the Hall of Fame today, right? Super unrepresented. I think something going against Harrison here is just – when he played from 94 to 2008, there was a lot of great safeties kind of in the league. Like when he joined, like John Lynch, Leroy Butler, Steve Atwater, who we talked about earlier. There's also guys like Eugene Robinson, Carno Lake. They were all in the league in the, in the early 90s through the, the late 90s. And, and then when you get some high profile guys. Yeah. And, and then you. High profile, yeah. A lot of guys who are, who are guys who are like, wow, that could, you know. Big players, big teams, important moments. I agree with it completely. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get to the 2000s, again, when he's – maybe his profile's up a little bit because of the Patriots, but now you got people like Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed, Darren Sharper, Troy Polamalu. Like, these are big names again, too. So he kind of comes in in almost this, like, like safety, like, um, golden age or something. And you look at those names like um, Dawkins, Ed Reed, and Troy all just got in. So there was only 10 safeties before they just got in, and Steve Atwater. So actually only nine before all of them just got in. But then you look at people like John Lynch and Leroy Butler. They're still, they're still waiting. And if you look at their careers in terms of Pro Bowls, like um, in all pros, which I take a lot more, uh, Pro Bowls voting, uh, yeah. all pros though matter. Leroy Butler is four. He's still waiting. John Lynch has two, but he has nine Pro Bowls. When you compare that to Rodney, who has two Pro Bowls and two All-Pros, and these guys are still waiting, I get a little, like, I think Lynch and Butler will probably eventually get in, but then you're looking at all these safeties here, like, how many safeties from an error can you really let in? Is Rodney going to be the odd man out there? Because when there's so few in there, but then all these are coming from the same time period, you got to cut it off somewhere, and Unfortunately, I think Rodney's kind of at the tail end of those guys. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. I, I think that I can envision a scenario now with Rodney where, you know, we go back to the, 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 the Atwater, the, the comp. Rodney might have to wait a while. And I think that helps him on, on a couple of levels. First, the, 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 you know, for the reason that you mentioned, that there's a lot of guys who are high-profile guys when he played safeties who are – you know, quote unquote, in front of him right now. And I think that figures into it. I think the other thing too, the older you get, and you saw this in base, you can see this in baseball with some of the senior committee guys, you forget the stuff that you might've counted against them before. And, oh, instead of, you know, labeling him as a dirty player, oh, he was just a competitor. He was a fierce competitor. Oh, you know, he, you know and, and I think that figures into it as well. I also honestly, and I say this only half jokingly, 
the TV work helps his public image. No, it does. It really does. You know, the fact that he's on TV every Sunday night of the football season, the fact that he's out there, he's a visible face, that he's sitting at the desk joking with, you know, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy. And I think that helps. I, mm-hmm. I do. I think that helps in the, in, in, in the eyes of some people. And I think that that changes the image that some people had of him over the course of his career who might have labeled him as a dirty player. And, and, and I think, you know, all of that goes into this discussion that, that I think is ultimately going to end up, he's going to wait for a little bit. And, and, but I do think that ultimately he deserves to have his day, you know, and, and like I said, I'll go back to the Outwater comp where, where, you know, you, you talked about this before Outwater had to wait a while. And I think the same situation could very well happen with Rodney. Um, but, but I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to come, it's going to happen for him. Yeah. And, and final question before final verdict here. You brought up earlier the suspension. I, I believe it was for HGH, um, if I'm not wrong. Do you think that, like, because, like, in baseball steroids, of course, it's such a big deal when it comes to the Hall of Fame. In the NFL, I don't see it as a big enough, like, I kind of forgot about that. Do you think that hurts him at all at the end of the day? I think the people who don't want him in will bring it up. Okay. I think if you don't think Rodney Harris is a Hall of Famer, you're going to bring that up as part of your argument. I think if you do want him in, like me, I don't want to say you minimize it, but you say, look, you know, there are guys in the Hall of Fame who have probably done a lot worse. And, and I'm not excusing it. I'm not trying to, to, to kind of, you know, put away the real-world realities of, of performance enhancers. But, you know, if, if you're going to talk about it as part of, you know, the Rodney Harrison's career – I think that's that's the proper response to have, at least in my estimation. So I, I don't think it carries the same sort of stigma that it does in baseball, but I still think it deserves to be part of the discussion here when we're talking about Rodney Hall. Yeah. So so wrapping up here, um, Chris, you've, you've kind of answered it already throughout this, but final verdict. We really just – we answered two questions here at the end, both of us. One, do you believe Rodney Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame? But then two – do you think he'll actually be in the Hall of Fame? So I know your answer to the first one. I know you believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. But you've kind of begun to answer this. Do you think at the end of the day he gets in from the modern air committee or is he maybe later down the road a senior committee 30, 40 years from now? Well, as a Rodney Harrison apologist, I will say yes to the first one. Um, and then, as we said before, um, that's a great question. I do think he'll have to wait. I, I think he gets in, but I think he will have to wait. I think the other thing, too, and we saw this in New England with, with, with Andre Tippett, Ron Borges, a uh, veteran football writer, was really an advocate for Tippett to get into the Hall of Fame and played a large role in him eventually reaching Canton. I think Rodney would be well served to have an advocate, a similar type of advocate, in the room, you know, pushing for him you know, when his name is brought up. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to inspire a lot of debate, a lot of back and forth. I think he's going to have to wait, but I think with the right advocate, and I think if he continues to to go down the same path that he's gone down now, uh, you know, when it comes to TV stuff, I think he will eventually get in. All right. Uh, on, on my end, I do believe he's a Hall of Famer. I can't the playoff numbers, he's one of the best defenders ever be out of the playoffs. And his career numbers, 
that 30 sack, 30 interception club, when it's you and Ray Lewis in something and um, it's not some made up, like whenever I do basketball stuff, it'll be like he had 25,000 this and 4,000 this and 2,000 this. This is not a made up club. That's significant statistics. And that's coming from a safety as well. Um, and, and then you throw his tackling numbers too. I have, I, find, I have trouble finding weaknesses in his game. And then you add in his postseason success, I think he deserves to get in. Unfortunately, I feel like how voters vote today, um, I think there's two things really holding back. One, I, I hate that it's going to hold him back, but I think the two bro, Pro Bowls is really going to hurt him. Um, two Pro Bowls, two All Pros, when you look at safeties throughout history, um, people are going to look back into that, especially voters that maybe down the road didn't see him play much and go, why, how did you only, how are you only one of the best safeties in your conference twice? You, you can't be in the Hall of Fame. Again, I think that's dumb. I think all pros matter, but two all pros is not something crazy significant. And then I go back to my point I made earlier about how many safeties are in the Hall of Fame today. They're not really respected. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. And then you, you look at how many from his air. I always think you can only let so many people at your position in in any given air. And I, I think there is just, there's a backlog. And if he does get in, which I don't think he will, but if he does, I think it'll be, I think it'll be by a senior committee, maybe 30, 40 years from now. You know, he's, a, he's established himself as TV as one of the best analysts. Everyone loves him. He has friends maybe that are voters and they really pitch his story and he gets in. So I really don't think he'll get in, but if he does, I will probably be pretty gray by the time time he does i hope i'm wrong i i do think he deserves to get in i just that's where i think i stand today i do i, th I think it makes sense and i think he's gonna he's gonna inspire a lot of debate and he should he, he's one of those guys who you know as we've gone over here he, you can make a good case for him and then you, you could also make a flip you, you could you could make another case for him that, that he's not a hall of famer for for an awful lot of reasons I, I you know ultimately for me at the end of the day i had a great experience covering him i was impressed Almost every time he stepped out on the football field, he was a leader. He put up phenomenal numbers. He was an important part of, of two Super Bowl champions. And I think that should be enough, ultimately, to, to get him in. Again, I think he's going to have to wait a little bit, but I think he deserves a spot. All right. Well, Chris, really appreciate you have, having you on today. Um, I always love talking about safeties from the 90s and early 2000s. That was the glory days for safeties, I feel like. I feel like Jamal Adams watches safety clips from back then and wishes he could play then. Um, but enjoyed you having you on. Uh, there's going to be a, after talking to you today, I'm like, wow, there's so many Patriot episodes I have to do at some point. Um, a, a lot of names out there. W Willie McGinnis is, is one that I hadn't been thinking about in a while, but he definitely deserves some consideration. But one, it, it really <laughs> is. The McGinnis one is, is great. When you look at the numbers, I mean, I can even send you some stuff that I've written about it. And we, I'm actually on the, the hall of the, the committee for um, the Patriots hall of fame. And which, which Rodney Harrison is a part of. Yes. Yes. We didn't it, talk about that. It was, it was the, the discussion around Willie McGinnis was a really good one because again, he had that great career, but there were a couple of years in the middle where it was down. And then you look again, you look at the numbers, the baseline for, you know, a hundred sacks and he falls short of that, but he was, you know, he did so much other stuff. I, I think the McGinnis conversation is a great one to have. Um, Chris, thank you again for joining and um, take care. Sounds good. Take care, Jim. I right, thank you.
All right. So that wraps up today's podcast. I want to thank Chris Price again for coming on today. Really enjoyed uh, talking about Rodney Harrison. And I honestly hope to have Chris on later, um, later on in the year, maybe to do another Patriot as we kind of discussed today. There's a number of Patriots that honestly deserve at minimum an episode here to talk about their Hall of Fame candidacy. But I, th- I think over the years, a few more will get in at the end of the day, but definitely we'll need to get Chris back on here to talk about some of these other Patriots. Uh, so with, with that, you know, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, give us a rating. That always helps. And we will talk to you next week.